Join Dr. Brown as he continues to dig deep into the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ as he walks through the book of Galatians. This is Hearing is Believing. If I were to ask you, what is the most important thing in your life? I wonder what you would say. Would you say that the most important thing in your life is your family? Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your finances. But how many of you would say that the most important thing in my life is the cross of Jesus Christ? Now, I realize where we are. We're in church this morning, and uh, perhaps your mind is already tuned in that direction. After all, we're fixing to go to Sunday school, so we might as well go ahead and prep our minds for the Sunday school answer. But how many of you would say that the cross of Christ is the most important thing in your life? Do you consider the cross of Christ on a regular basis? And is the cross the most important thing in your life? Now, does anyone know what day it is today? Okay, that's right. Reformation Sunday. Someone said that. It is. It is Reformation Sunday. So we come today providentially on October the 31st, on All Hallows' Eve, on Halloween, on Reformation Sunday to the close of our Galatians series. So go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 6, and we'll look at verses uh, 6 through the end there in Galatians, or excuse me, verses 11 through the end there in Galatians chapter 6. But on this day, the reason that it's Reformation Sunday and not just Halloween, but because on this day, over 500 years ago, an Augustinian monk by the name of Martin Luther, the one who wrote the song that the choir sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, he nailed 95 theses on the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. And that one event over 500 years ago was an event that uh, uh, set a spark to a smoldering fire that was all across Christendom known as the Protestant Reformation. People were wondering back then, what does it take or what is necessary to have eternal life? What does it mean? What does it take to go to heaven? And Luther had a point on that day, the reason he took up his pen, the reason he wrote those 95 theses, the, the reason that he took his, his hammer and nailed it to the uh, castle door church. And that's really the entire point of the Protestant Reformation is this, listen carefully. Salvation, according to Scripture, is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. Now, that's a lot of alones, isn't it? Now, those five alones became known later as the five solas, or the five alones. There is sola scriptura, scripture alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. And sole deo gloria, for God's glory alone. Now, the linchpin phrase of all of the Protestant Reformation is that one word, alone. And alone separates a salvation by works and a salvation that is all of God in Christ through faith by grace according to Scripture. And let me say something today. We are 500 years removed from the Protestant Reformation. And I am happy to report today that the protest 
still continues. You say, what are we protesting? We are protesting any other form of salvation other than by grace, through faith in Christ, for God's glory alone. Now, in my years of, uh, of pastoring these Protestant people known as uh, Baptist, in particular Southern Baptist, I've come to find out that there are still some of you who are reluctant to join the Reformation. And what I want to do today is I want to invite you to turn your plus into an only. I want to invite you to turn your plus into an only. So do you remember our formula? We've been looking at this Galatians series the entire time. Do you remember our formula? Our formula is Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Well, on the positive side, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Solus Christus, Christ alone. And so you're invited this morning, you're invited to consider the cross and to stay there forever. Now, how quickly we move beyond the cross. We think of the cross as simply that one-time event in our life as uh, simply something that happened then, maybe that time when we took the preacher's hand, when we walked the aisle, or maybe at camp, or maybe that day of my baptism. And let me say that, that the cross of Christ is that. But it's not only that. It is that, but it's not only that. The cross of Christ is the defining moment of your life. And it's not just the defining moment of your life. It's the defining moment in every life. The cross of Christ, the cross of Christ, listen, is the good news that we share to everyone. We proclaim to everyone. We proclaim to everyone this message of salvation in Christ alone. Our message to the world is the cross of Christ as the only remedy for sin. We say as believers that there is no other pathway to heaven other than the cross. Now, I realize what I'm fixing to say may be challenging to some of your sensibilities, so I want you to listen closely. This is why we engage on missions. This is why missions is so important. Because we don't believe that there, uh, we don't believe that doing the best you can means that you get to heaven. We don't believe, listen carefully, that there exists a single person who deserves heaven. Now, you say, what about the age of accountability? Do you believe in that? Yes, I do. What about our children in our harbor ministry? Do you believe that they're uh, going to heaven because they can't have the age of accountability? Sure, I do. What about our preschool? I'm not talking about age of accountability. That's in a different category. Listen carefully. We don't believe that there exists a single person who deserves heaven. We believe that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't believe that rejecting Jesus sends you to hell. We believe that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, those who have never heard of Jesus 
have the same destiny awaiting them as those who have heard Jesus and rejected. They are forever separated from God because all have sinned. So just think about it just for a minute. If we believe the opposite, if we believe that someone is already on the highway to heaven, then the worst thing that we can do is share Jesus with them if they've never heard to give them a chance to reject him and go to hell. There's no reason for us to introduce our lost friends to church. Instead, we should have the opposite approach. Instead, what we should do is, is uh, if we found someone who's never heard, we should do our best to keep them away from Christians. Because if they hear Jesus, then they could reject him and go to hell. But we don't believe that. And this is our drive. And this is our determination to get the gospel to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, as effectively as possible. As one missionary said, the good news of God's salvation is only good news if it makes it there in time. How are they to hear? How are they to call upon him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear, Paul says, unless they're sent? So let's close the letter of Galatians. Let's close our recovery series by focusing on the cross. And as we're going to see this morning, uh, we will never tarry far from the cross. And even in heaven, even in heaven, Jesus bears the marks of crucifixion. And the reason that he bears the marks of crucifixion is for me and for you. So the purpose of our time together is this, to encourage you to stay close to the cross. Let's read the Bible together. Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. So what I want to do today from this text is I want to give you seven truths about the cross. Seven truths about the cross. Are you ready to write? Number one, write this down. The cross is our point of emphasis. The cross 
is our point of emphasis. So look right away. Look what happens here. We start right away with Paul. He takes up his hand from his, he takes up his pen from the hand of his amanuensis, and he writes the conclusion himself. Now, most of the time, Paul had, had been dictating to someone. He's been saying, write it this way. But look at what he says here. See, with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. And so, in other words, listen, he wants the Galatians to be sure that they see his concern. Now, ink and uh, paper were precious commodities in those days, and so he is not wasting ink. He's not wasting space. He is doing this as a point of emphasis so that they can see his concern. Now, I don't believe that uh, he is writing large because he had bad eyesight. Maybe he's doing that, but I don't believe so. I believe that he's writing with large letters because he wants to emphasize how important this letter is. And let me just ask you again, is the cross of Christ the point of emphasis of your life? And it's the question that I ask. It's the question that our church staff asks. Is the cross of Christ the point of emphasis in this church? Could we do without the exclusivity of the cross of Christ? In my own preaching, do I preach as one who is tethered to the cross? Now, this is a matter of extreme importance. You say, how important is it? Well, go back to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 2. How important is it? Look at how specific the argument is. Paul says, if you accept circumcision, then Christ is of no advantage to you. In other words, just you can substitute circumcision there for baptism. You can substitute circumcision there for paying a tithe. You can, circum, uh, you can uh, substitute circumcision there for all of these other different things that we think that, well, maybe they'll get us into heaven. Accept the cross of Christ. Paul says, if you do these things, if you forfeit the cross of Christ, if you put in its place something else, then the cross is of no advantage to you. So what's the whole point of the book of Galatians? The whole point of the book of Galatians is the cross of Christ, listen, alone saves. It's only the cross. That's our second point this morning. Only the cross or the cross alone saves. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I am the way, not a way, listen carefully. I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And then what did he say? If that wasn't enough, he gets a little more specific. He said, no one comes to the Father. And then he says it again. Look how exclusive this is, except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me, the cross of Christ is the exclusive way to salvation. Or as Peter said before the council of the Jews, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. Sounds pretty exclusive, doesn't it? Now, I'm just an old country boy, and I'm glad that it's exclusive. You know what that means for me? It means it makes it simple. 
<laughs> it means it makes it real easy that only the cross saves. There's not another way for salvation. Listen, I hope that this is freeing to you this morning. You say, what does it take to go to heaven? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. You say, don't I need to do something? Don't I need? No, no, no. Uh-uh. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the gospel message. Let's pray. Let's go home. That's it. Just believe and be saved. I hope this morning that you understand the significance of the death of Jesus. He died, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, so that He could reconcile us to God. His death is sufficient. His death is enough. Jesus paid it all. He didn't, pay, not, he didn't just pay some of it. He didn't just pay a portion of it. He didn't simply open the way to salvation. No, in some mysterious way, and I can't explain this, in some mysterious way, those who by faith trust in Jesus Christ, our salvation is secure the moment that Jesus said it is finished from the cross. When he said it is finished, he saved you from your sin. You've trusted in Him. You hoped in Him. You say, when was my salvation secure? It was secure when He said, it is finished from the cross. You see, listen to me. I want to tell you something. Either Jesus paid it all, or He paid nothing at all. Either Jesus paid it all, or He paid nothing at all. Go back again to Galatians chapter 5. Look specifically at verses 2 through 7. Look at what it says here. Look how, look how emphatic this argument is. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Look how pointed this argument is. Listen, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And let's keep going. Look at what it says here. You were running well. And then look at this language here. My Bible says, who hindered you? But the literal Greek says, who cut in front of you? You see, he's using this wordplay on circumcision. He says, who cut you off? Who cut in front of you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven, just a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Do you hear what Paul says? He says, I have confidence that you're not going to take any other view. I wonder this morning, as we encounter the Word of God, as we encounter the, the Spirit of God through His Word, have you taken any other view of your salvation? Are you trusting in Christ alone for your salvation? Are you hoping in Jesus Christ alone, or do you still believe that because you belong to First Baptist Church, you'll go to heaven when you die? I pray to the good Lord that on the final day, there will be no one who was written on our church rolls 
whose name is not found in the Lamb's book of life. But those two things are not mutually exclusive. Just because you have your name written in our church roll doesn't guarantee that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Paul says, I trust that you'll take no other view. Look in what he says here. But if I, brethren, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross. You see, the offense of the cross has been removed. And then look how pointed this argument is. Don't miss it. He means it. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I'd say this is pretty serious stuff, wouldn't you? I'd say this is a matter of life and death. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The cross of Christ is the exclusive way to salvation. You are only saved through the cross. If there was another way to salvation, then surely the all-wise God would have done it. But it's that exclusivity of the cross. It's us saying that the cross is the only way. That's the reason that the message is not well received. The cross, number three, is often persecuted. The cross is often persecuted. You know why it's persecuted? It's persecuted because it confronts our sense of self. The cross is an affront to our sense of self, and therefore it is a front to our strength. The cross says that you're incapable of doing anything to save yourself. It's an affront to our senses. It's too good to be true that God would accept me based upon Jesus, but it is true. It's too good not to be true. And the cross of Christ is, a, is an affront to our self-awareness. The cross of Christ, the bloodied, crucified Savior, the cross says everything is not okay. The cross of Christ says that, takes that argument that you may say, well, I'm not as bad as some, and it says, yeah, but you're not as good as him. The cross of Christ comes and stands in the way of ourselves, and it says the only way to live is to die. And the only way to eternal life is through Jesus. The only way to be accepted by God is to deny yourself and accept Jesus as the sole sufficiency for your salvation. You see, the cross of Christ is the, is the ultimate paradigm shift. The cross comes into our world and turns it upside down. What must I do to be saved? Come to church, pay a tithe, volunteer your time, be a good person, serve others, read your Bible, say your prayers at night. No! The gospel is believe 
on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. All of those other things we do, listen, not for salvation, but from salvation. We don't do those things for salvation as if we could earn it, as if we deserve it. We do those things from salvation. We come to church, we read our Bibles, we serve others, we pay tithe, we volunteer, not because we're good persons, but because we're saved persons. And we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. It is so simple. It is so misunderstood. It is so saving. And it is so glorious. The gospel is the power of God for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. People just don't understand. And see, Jesus knew this. Do you remember what he said at the cross? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. And his posture towards them has to be our posture towards others. Listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We make our appeal to the unbeliever as ambassadors of God. As though God himself were saying through us, be reconciled to God. You see, we are those people who we confront the world. And yes, we do engage the world, but we engage the world as those who've been to the cross. We've come to the end of ourselves. We're not chasing our own ambition. We're not chasing our own agendas. It doesn't matter if we're right or wronged. What matters is Christ and Him crucified. And that, the sufficient salvation for the world. We've been to the cross. We've seen the light. And through the cross, listen to the book of Galatians. Through the cross, we have died to ourselves and we are living to God. Isn't this what Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says? I have been crucified, or maybe we should say it this way. We are those who have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives through us. And the life that we now live, we live by faith in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. We have no other argument. We have no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. You see, the cross of Christ, number four, is our reason for boasting. These false teachers, look at them in verses 13 through 14 of Galatians 6. They've not died to self. What's their problem? They've not been to the cross. 
They can't get past their own actions to look beyond their own actions to see what Christ has done. And when you truly understand what Christ has done, the only implication that you will have is what He has done is enough. His grace is sufficient. His death has secured my salvation. They've not died to self. Their self is still their greatest distraction. And so under the surface, these false teachers are like Pharisees. They're, as Jesus said, whitewashed tombs, but inwardly they're filled with the bones of dead men. They've washed the outside of the cup. Everything looks great, but the inside of the cup is still unclean. And so Paul is able to see through their front. And the reason he's able to see through their front is because he's been to the cross. And so what's his reason to boast? His reason to boast is not how large his platform is or how many adherents he has to his message, how many times the letter of Galatians has been uh, distributed and published, how many baptisms he sees in a year. He doesn't boast in the fact of how large his giving is that he's able to take back to Jerusalem. His boast is in the cross of Christ. And I just want to ask First Baptist Starkville this morning, is this your boast? Is this our boast? Look at what he says in chapter 6 and verse 14. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And then notice what he says next. Don't miss how cross-focused this statement is. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. Look at this. But a new creation. Amazingly, the fifth point for you to write down, amazingly, the cross is the instrument that God uses to form new creation. The cross, that cruel instrument of death, the climax of torture in humanity, the instrument of fear that the most powerful empire of the world at that time, the Romans would use to instill fear into their enemies, the cross of Christ. The cross, only the wisdom of God, only a wise God will take an instrument of cruel death and use it to be life, to be the symbol of hope, to be the symbol of life to all of those who believe. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. The cross, number six, is our rule I wish we could camp out here a little bit, but it's our rule that results in peace. The word rule there is the word canon. It means standard. The cross is our standard. And look at it. It's our rule, and it results in peace. Those who by faith trust in Jesus 
Look at the text. They are the Israel of God. You say, what does that mean? It means that they are the sons and daughters. They are the children of God. Number seven this morning, the cross, you see. The cross, it leaves its mark. Look at what Paul says here. Now from now on, verse 17, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. You know what that word is? It's the word stigmata. It's the word stigmata. He bears on his body the marks of crucifixion. But notice how the cross leaves its mark. Look at verse 17. It leaves its mark outward. In other words, the way you live your life will be affected outwardly by the cross. But look at verse 18. It's not just an outward mark. It's an inward mark. Look at verse 18. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at this strange phrase, be with your spirit, brethren. And then he says, amen. You see, the cross doesn't just leave an outward mark. It leaves an inward mark. And what is inward is lived outward. Remember who we are because of Jesus? We're a new creation. You know what that means? The former things have passed away. New is coming. We live, we walk, we think, we talk. A way that's befitting one who has been shaped by the cross. In other words, the cross leaves its indelible mark. And my simple question for you this morning, for you to ponder, is simply this. Has the cross left its mark on you? I want you to stay forever at the cross. We've talked about recovery. We started this series because we figured that, you know what, our world needs to recover from our pandemic moment. But you know what we need to recover at Starkville? We need to recover the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to recover the cross of Christ as the exclusive means of salvation to the world. We need to have the gospel preached not simply to ourselves today. Or not simply, you don't need the preacher to preach the gospel to you today. You need to preach the gospel to yourself tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And when you come back Sunday, I'll remind you again so you can preach it to yourself Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday on and on and on and on. Because there's going to be a time where the enemy's going to come to you, and he's going to say to you, see, you're not a good person. You see, you don't deserve heaven. You see, look at all this. God could never forgive you. Simply, you have one response to him. Everything that you've said is true, but you're listening out. You're missing out one key element. You forgot about the cross. You forgot about the cross by which I have been crucified to the world. And the world has been crucified to me. Cherish the old rugged cross. Would you stand with me?
Father in heaven, we love you. And we know that we're prone to wonder. We're prone to leave the God who loves us that we love. So my prayer for everyone within the sound of my voice is that you would take our hearts and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. If there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, if there's one here that's trusting in all that they've done and forgetting what you've done, may today they say, I'll cling to the old rugged cross. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Dr. Andy Brown, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Startville in Startville, Mississippi. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to follow Hearing is Believing on Facebook and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us at hearingisbelieving.org.